Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn, light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org slash give. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt. We got moves to break down, Mike. We got news, nuggets, rumors, lots of stuff to get to, player visits, a lot of stuff we need to break down, running back ones, receiver twos, so much that we need to talk about here, restructures, what are we going to do with the cash, where's Odell Beckham Jr., which is a theme of our show. But we're going to bring that to you right after this, as always, sponsored by Sons of Erie. Josh Allen. Looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. What a busy week of Bills for Agency news. Almost busier in the last couple of days than it has been to start us off with the McGovern news, um, you know, Deontay Hardy, et cetera. But we got into some real, real interesting player news that happened just recently, including to continue to happen around the league as well. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. A lot of moves over the past few days. So uh, we have a, a show jam-packed with things to talk about and can't wait to get underway. Yeah, me neither. Well... We got to start at the top. The Bills just announced and did their press conference with Damian Harris, $1.7 million contract, uh, looking pretty good. Trent Sherfield from Miami, who had multiple destinations that he could choose from, chose Buffalo to be competitive, take away a roster spot from the Jake Kumaros of the world, as well as maybe Taiwan Jones. Maybe it's the end of Taiwan Jones. So what can Trent Sherfield do? Well, it's at least eliminate a roster spot by combining two different roster positions. So you at least get that from Trent Sherfield. Meanwhile, adding something to offense, which Jay Kumro could never get done. So uh, we're going to have that addition here, which is a which is a really good addition. You know, he could be competing anywhere from receiver five 
receiver three and anywhere in between there with the likes of Deontay Hardy. And at this stage, Khalil Shakir uh, all battling out for that three through five role. So really another $1.7 million deal. What's interesting, Mike, that I'm tracking right now is the compensation formula. I think it's an interesting note. If you keep these deals at one seven or lower, the bills could sneak a third round pick out of this thing. Um, it's a really convoluted and interesting thing that seems to be like Greg and I are tracking. Everyone else makes fun of um, way to accumulate a top hundred pick. Uh, so we'll see if that accumulates anything. But I do think with this hard number, the bills are going after wouldn't be shocked at the one seven to continue with some of their other free agent. David Edwards is said to be in town as we speak on the likelier hood end to sign, maybe right guard, maybe I don't know that we need more competition for left guard with Tommy Doyle already and McGovern, uh, but right guard, maybe pushing Bates out to right tackle, maybe pushing Bates into center. Uh, the opportunities there are endless of what could happen here, but Edwards really great run blocker looks good on film. He broke him down a little bit. It's maybe a day one or two target for the bills uh, that they could add David Edwards from the Rams, a Cromer edition, be a nice offensive line edition on March 21st, Mike. So kind of give me your thoughts of Sherfield. Obviously, Edwards is in town. Obviously, uh, Damian Harris. Where do you stand with what they've do, been doing over the last 48 hours? I'm excited. They're plugging holes towards the bottom of the roster, which while isn't as sexy or as exciting as getting big name free agents, it's just as important sometimes in the long run to have that depth there to fill out your, your roster and uh, in those spots. The Damian Harris signing intrigues me. Um, I've been seeing some reaction both ways. Some people, I, I believe, are a little bit overrating what he's going to bring to the Bills overall. Uh, but, and then there's some people that are on the, the motor um, bandwagon that are, that are sad that Devin Singletary uh, is gone. But in the end, I think the Damian Harris move makes a lot of sense for, from the Bills' perspective. I think it's clear going into next season, the Bills are planning on having a platoon system at running back uh, between Cook, uh, Harris, and Hines. And they all bring different things to the table. And with, with Singletary, he was almost a little bit too good to bring him back uh, in that type of situation where Singletary obviously didn't get big money, but you're talking $3.75 million compared to one point. Uh, seven million for Harris and you really have to ask yourself even if the Bills had interest in bringing Singletary back would Devin Singletary want to be part of a Bills team where he's going to have a reduced workload going forward because it was clear at the end of the season the Bills want to get James Cook more involved in this offense they want to give him a higher share than what he had early last year and then you have Hines coming back on a restructured contract uh where, what was Singletary going to be? Was he going to continue to be an 800-yard type back going forward? I don't think so. I think the Bills had plans to reduce his workload, and I think, and that's probably a big reason why, in addition to the money, that he decided to go to Houston. And I can't blame him, but it, it also makes sense for the Bills to have uh, players that fit different roles uh, at the running back position. As far as the other moves, uh, Trent Sherfield and then bringing in uh, Deontay Hardy, uh, those are – those are some exciting moves. I, I, I'm not saying that they're going to be anything uh, tremendous. Sherfield adds to your depth. Will he be a contributor on this offense? I wouldn't bat a ton on it, but could he potentially if asked upon? Possibly. Uh, Hardy, 
I think brings some excitement just from a speed perspective. You saw two years ago in New Orleans what he was capable of uh, just from a yards per per catch um, number. And that's an explosiveness that uh, the Bills really haven't had. But there's still a lot of unknowns with him. Uh, obviously playing last year hurt with the turf toe. We really don't know what type of player he's going to bring to the Bills. But to wrap this part up, what, what the Bills are doing is they are filling their holes so when it comes to be draft time, they can go a variety of different directions. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how they'll probably need to draft a safety at some point, uh, how they'll have to attack offensive line, how we want wide receivers. Now they're in a position where other than linebacker, they really don't need to make a move in the draft out of desperation. They can more so attack a number of different positions based on who the best available player is in that group of spots at the time they select. So I like what Bean did. And like you said, with Edwards, there still might be a move or two left to be made. It's interesting because the offensive line would add enough, definitely interior that I'm not going to say takes us out of that at all, but Edwards, McGovern, Bates, Morse, Tommy Doyle on the reserve end, at some point almost takes you out of it, which is not, I'm not saying is nice, but it's good to know that there's some really talented um, depth in there for what they thought they had last year and didn't have. Uh, so I think that that's a huge note that like, yeah, you don't want to roll into a game where, you're forced to play Van Roten and Doyle and Doyle gets hurt. And then you're, you know, you're, you're you don't know who you're playing. And uh, they just had a rocky offensive line to begin with in terms of player shuffling. When the offensive line is at full strength, it actually has good metrics. I tweeted about that last week. Uh, they were 1.1 in war, which was well above average, better than the chiefs and a lot of metrics. So it's just like, yeah, I know a lot of people don't like the advanced statistics and you know, there's go one way or the other, especially with offensive line advanced statistics, but SIS and football outsiders both said that they were fairly decent in a lot of different regards where they were really good as within run and power of uh, top five in power sets in running power, offensive line uh, combinations. What did they go out and do? They signed a more physical back in Damian Harris yesterday to a $1.7 million deal. You know, you're adding a few inches, you're adding 20 pounds, and all of a sudden you go from Singletary to you can compare Singletary to Harris because that's literally the roster spot. I'm not saying that necessarily the position that carries, but it's the roster spot that's being used. So at some point you can do a little bit of comparing between where will Damian Harris fit on the roster. Where will he, what will he do? Yes, it's not just like a one-for-one swap, but in a way it kind of is, Mike, where he is taking the roster spot away. So what is your opinion on what Harris will bring to this offense? Do you think he's running back one? I personally do trend that way. I don't think you get him to sign at $1.7 million when his when his value is 7.1 based on comparable deals and production. Not that that's always right either, but at least somewhere in the middle of three or four. But he took 1.7 not to come be a bench rider. He basically almost said as much, didn't really say it in his press conference, um, but he didn't say any amount of carries he was going to get, but he said, you know why I was brought here. So what's your opinion on someone that could be running back one over Cook, who's really never averaged more than nine to 11 carries ever at any stage in any level of football? I don't know if I'd like the term RB1 in this situation because the Bills aren't a team that primarily focuses on the run game to begin with. And when you have three backs, the caliber of uh, 
Harris, Cook, Hines. I don't think – neither of them none, – none of them really stand out as an elite running back. And we know the Bills are not going to have a bell cow in, in their backfield. So I don't know if RB1 really is a title that uh, needs to be put on anyone in, in particular. I go into the season expecting Damian Harris to maybe get um, – eight to 10 carries a game. Maybe there's some games he gets a little bit more. I'm not expecting him to be a 13, 14, 15 carry a game guy. What I, what I like about what the bills have at running back now is they have guys that can attack teams in different ways. You have Hines who can be a dynamic threat in the passing game. You have cook who can, can do a little bit of both a little bit of whatever you want to throw and has that explosiveness. Now you have Harris who does have a, a little bit more power to his running style. So go up against different defenses. You can attack them uh, different ways. I know that you brought up, he takes Singletary's spot in that some people are going to compare him a one for one swap. I just don't, I don't like that comparison um, because when we're looking at this, I think Harris is only here because he was willing to sign a smaller deal. Singletary is it he got 3.75 million and we were talking about how we don't want to spend too much money on running backs they're already giving Hines a decent number uh, so I just didn't see the fit with Singletary that's why I went into the offseason assuming that he was going to be gone so 1.7 million that's not a big investment for the Bills I I think Harris is going to be a good player but I'm not expecting him to be an 800 900 yard guy on this Bills offense I'm I'm thinking maybe 600 yards, 500, 600, have Cook be another 600, 700 plus yards. And then Hines can be getting some yards uh, out of the backfield uh, as a receiver. So we'll see how it all plays out. What What's also interesting is with this Edwards lineman that the Bills are talking to right now, he has a very good run blocking grade uh, in recent years. Last year, obviously, he, he missed a lot of games. But overall, he's considered a pretty solid run blocker, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. So take that with a grain of salt. But it, it is kind of intriguing. Why are the Bills talking to Edwards right now, right after signing uh, McGovern? Both guys uh, have been starters in the past year. Are, would that be depth? Would they be moving people over? Like you said, uh, it, it brings more uh, questions of how they would handle this offensive line because – it seems like there's more flexibility to how they could handle things going forward compared to, to past years. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued by what they're doing at the offensive line. They've always trended that with maybe a rookie. They don't like to have two, three, four rookies on the offensive line. It doesn't necessarily mean they won't. Um, as we found out what they've never really drafted a corner to, and they did last year. Um, but they like to have these veterans. They've always signed Van Rotens. They've always signed, you know, Bobby Hart's. They've always signed veteran offensive linemen that could come in, know the system, and compete. Uh, what's interesting about the connection with David Edwards and Aaron Cromer? Aaron Cromer coached him for uh, eighteen or for nineteen and twenty in L.A. Uh, in the last so so basically, Cromer started with the Bills 2015, 2016, had that little beach incident, um, then left for the Rams at eighteen, nineteen, and twenty sat out for 21 and obviously the bills have him for 22 and 23. So he's really only been in Buffalo and LA for 
the majority of his last eight years. Now, fast forward to today, and David Edwards is sitting out there, a guy he played pretty well with and actually was better against the pass back when Cromer had him. Um, last year, Like as you mentioned, he was uh, really good in run in his limited action last year, and he's always been pretty decent against the run per you know PFF uh, and some other metrics. So that's something that's always been a positive, but he was also really good against the pass uh, when he had Cromer. So I think Cromer's saying, well, we'd like to have him. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? What do you do with Bates? Do you kick him out to tackle? Do you bring him into center? There's, you know, he's playing at a pretty heavy weight. Do you compete with him? Do you just sign Quisenberry today too? Um, so that's a nice depth I mean, you offensive can make, line signing. You can easily say that Edwards is better than what the Bills currently have at guard on their team based on recent results. He's been a starter for the past three plus years. His He does have all right pass blocking uh, grades, according to the pro football focus. It's not a strength, but uh, if you go back to the 2020 season, he had a 70.3 overall grade. He had a 63 pass blocking, 68 uh, run blocking, which is okay. Pass blocking 2021 was a 70.1 and a 64 run block that year for a 67 grade. And then last year was his lowest graded uh, year with a 27 pass blocking but he only played four games so that's going to kind of uh that's because of the bills the numbers are going to be impacted a little bit more based on a few bad performances then but you look overall you look at david edwards as the bills that are able to sign him there's an argument for him to be a starter on the team and and then you you got you kind of have to question how you would um fit him in he's played primarily left guard in his career you bring in connor mcgovern who everybody has been talking about Uh, potentially being a left guard based on his play in Dallas. But all the Cowboys fans at that time said they would prefer to see him at right guard and that he was a much better right guard than on the left side. Well, then you wonder if you bring in McGovern and you potentially sign uh, Edwards, what does that mean for Bates? Was one of these guys a depth piece or does one of them uh, give uh, a run at tackle and, you bring Quesenberry resigned him recently. So there's a lot of there's a lot of questions to be had here. If anything, they're adding competition to this team, which uh, hopefully after a training camp and a preseason, you would have your five best guys and you'd just run with them. Right. It's a very competitive unit. I like that it really doesn't pigeonhole you into the offensive line in the draft, especially if you sign Edwards. Now you have a plethora. You sign Quesenberry, Edwards, McGovern, let Saffold go, let Hart go. You're in a pretty good situation where you upgraded Saffold and Hart on the roster in general. You get a healthy Tommy Doyle back, and it's really an offensive line that's much better. I mean, most people are going to say, well, McGovern alone is not going to make a line. The mine wasn't bad in the first place. It really wasn't. You add McGovern, which is an upgrade. You add competition in Edwards, which is an upgrade. You add Bates maybe into a depth role. Um, and all of a sudden, that offensive line goes from poor to being upgraded. You know, you got a healthy Spencer Brown. Um, you know, by all accounts, another offseason of Mitch Morris, which is a huge key cog to the offensive line. And you don't really need to do much. You can, you can, I guess, entertain right tackle at 27. But outside of a dominant right tackle, you're not forced to make a tackle move. On top of it, we think they like Spencer Brown more than the average fan. So there's definitely that piece of the puzzle. And running, running back rooms the same way, Mike. They don't need to do anything there now. So now you have offensive line, potentially with AdWords if he signs, in the running room. Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? 
Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cashback benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar co-pays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. Pretty much set. You can turn your focus to tight end. I don't personally believe they're going to do anything at tight end. I think that they paid Knox for a reason. I think they like the potential of Quentin Morris. I think a depth tight end is the way they're going to go. I don't really see this as a good tight end class. They're hoping some names get pushed down. I don't see a, a, a top 60 pick at tight end. I really don't. Um, and then all of a sudden, the offensive line's fairly set. You made Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, maybe a top tier receiver. And we talk about it on the show and we got to bring it up once more. It's time. It is time to talk receiver for a minute. Sponsored by Sons of Erie, www.instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. Check out their small batch merch. It's amazing. Um, Mike, as we look at receiver though, I think that the bottom of the roster is now settled. I think from four on, you replace Kumaro, you replace Isaiah McKenzie, you replace Jamison Crowder. I think that that's set. I think you got your top guy, but the middle there, two to three, you could maybe tweak. Is your opinion, and you know, it's still talked about by Mina Kimes and some other national media that maybe the best fit for OBJ is the Buffalo Bills. Did you what do you think of still a top end receiver, Jerry Judy, OBJ, DeAndre Hopkins, really the only three names in that category, and or really or I guess a day one receiver? What is your what are your opinions? I'm of the preference of getting someone in this draft in the first okay. or second round. I, I don't want to give up a bunch of assets for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I know he's a tremendous player. I don't know how he fits in the fits in the culture of this Bills team. We're talking about a player that's been suspended in the past. Um, he has not really gone over well in Arizona outside of a few moments, one at the Bills' expense, unfortunately. Uh, Judy would be intriguing to me. I don't think the Bills are going to want to pay the price that Denver's going to want for uh, a player of his talent. Yes, he hasn't performed up to expectations, but are they going to want to part with him for less than a first-round pick? I don't know. If the if the value or the asking price for him goes down, I'd be in on that uh, potentially. OBJ, we've been talking about this for forever at this point. I'm not against the idea of o- Odell Beckham Jr., but – his price tag has to be a lot more realistic than what he's wanting it to be. I'm not giving OBJ, obviously he said he never asked for 20 million, but I'm not giving him anything even in the vicinity of that. I'd ideally want it to be in single digits. Um, If they had to work something out, I'd be okay with it. But I, I want someone that they could get day one or day two that can fit in this team on a cost controlled contract that they can, work with and get two, three, four, five years out of um, a solid production. And depending on which direction that they go, if they go first round, someone that could plug into your lineup year one and make an impact. And if it's a day two guy, someone that you know has the potential to maybe contribute year one, but will at least be a developmental piece that could be an impact player in the future. If a game Davis walks or if a Khalil Shakir doesn't pan out. So, that's kind of my view at wide receiver right now. What I, what I like about what the Bills did 
it kind of is now that you kind of filled out the bottom part of the, the receiver depth chart, there really isn't that many questions. There's one spot open, and that one spot is essentially going to be the number three man if they go big. And if they don't go big, Khalil Shakir gets the three, and then I'll feel okay with the other guys at four and five. I agree, and that's why you fill out players like what David Edwards. He'd be another great addition to continue to upgrade, maybe even the more the middle of the roster uh, with someone that's been fairly efficient against you know limited in penalties. He's only had three penalties um, in the last three years. He had a lot his first year. So that's a pretty interesting note uh, about David Edwards, as well as his pass efficiency has pr- been pretty good uh, over the past. Um, you know, he's been averaging around a 90. He was really good in 2021, 2022. The Bills game alone actually is what ruined some of his some of his scores uh, as he played pretty poorly against the Bills in week one last year uh, with that de- defensive interior presence with the first game of Vaughn kind of wrecking stuff. And then you had Jordan Phillips and Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver at full strength. Uh, costing uh, that was a, that was a really good offensive line unit. So um, ultimately, that's the kind of move you're trying to make. And if you look at the middle of the roster and upper middle, like OBJ, I do think there's a number that works out. These these options are getting more limited for him. He doesn't have a thousand options right now. He has two to two to four. Um, and at some point, he's got to pick where he wants to play. Is it the Jets and whatever's going on there? Is it the Chiefs potentially with their cheap offer? Is it the Bills where you've already met with and had some good relationships with? And maybe is it the Ravens? Who knows what's going on there either? You know, the Cowboys are kind of out. The Giants are kind of out. So at some point, it's those four teams. And, you know, the Bills, the Chiefs obviously jumped to the top for me. Uh, just really seriously, unbiasedly, if I'm OBJ, uh, I'm thinking of I want to go to a pass happy offense with good quarterbacks. I don't know what Baltimore's doing or the Jets are doing right now. So, Maybe he waits it out, but I think that ultimately he doesn't cost you a draft choice. He doesn't cost you a draft choice to select him in the draft either. So it isn't just about trading a second round pick for Jerry Judy. It's also about the fact that you sign OBJ to a reasonable deal. A, he's making less than Hopkins, but B, he's also up freeing up a draft choice that you can now select elsewhere and add rusher, defensive tackle, expensive positions, obviously middle linebacker. Um, so there's ways you can go with that pick now that opens the door up and fully secures your receiver room. So now your running back rooms, your O-line, your receiver room are pretty much filled. And now you can really focus on studs that you can't pay in free agency. So that's kind of my plan with the offense, get OBJ in the door, transition him to receiver two, receiver three. And all of a sudden the offense is fairly done, you know, maybe AdWords too. Between Edwards and OBJ, the offense is done. And then maybe now you can look defense. I'm okay with that, Kev. But my my main concern, if they did go that direction, is that we don't know the long-term future of Gabe Davis on the Bills. We don't know how everything is going to play out with Stephon Diggs. Was what happened against Cincinnati a one-time isolated incident? Or could there be more uh, issues on hand in the future if the Bills don't have uh, a ton of success uh, with him at times. So I, the reason I like drafting someone is because it gives you that security in the future. If you do have to go another direction with either of those guys And I'm not against OBJ, if you can get him on a realistic deal, I'm perfectly fine with it. Then it does delete uh, wide receiver as a need in this draft. 
And then you could focus on uh, guys at linebacker, maybe O tackle, and you can you can go other directions in this draft. Um, you could attack defensive line uh, as well. So we'll see. At this point, I don't think OBJ is going to get the money that he is looking for. And if he waits till the draft and teams start selecting wide receivers, he might put himself in a position where he's not getting even close to what. Uh, he wants to get at that point in time. So that's going to be something to monitor. Um, but at, at this point, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I definitely need OBJ to lower his asking price before it really becomes beneficial to Buffalo. I think it behooves him to select before the draft, personally, um, to get more money, to save a team a draft pick for a lot of reasons. I think that that does benefit him. Otherwise, he's pigeonholing himself from that four, maybe down to two. So at some point, I do believe uh, you have to, for his purpose, I think March – uh, I think this is about the time for him to go now that some of the other names are off the board and it's really like him and Hopkins at this stage. So uh, I do think that it's it's time for him to make his decision on uh, the next few days. Uh, how do you free up some money? They're already doing pretty well with the $1.7 million deals. These aren't really taking much off. It doesn't take 1.7 off every time you sign one of these. You have the rule of 51 where the bottom of the roster is already counting on your roster like they made the team. Those guys get edged out and another contract comes in owing about 900K for these deals. It's not much money uh, to be added onto this cap space. I still have them near $10 million in cap space. However, you can you can restructure Deion Dawkins to free up $6.4 million. You can you know extend out uh, Daquan Jones for a $4.7 million cap space. You can also do something with Ad Oliver and his $10.8 million. I think they've already been trying uh, to either sign him out long-term, would they look to move him, what I am not sure, but he has a $10.8 million hold there. Uh, that the team can do something with if they need in-season money, whatever, what have you. Uh, Trey White frees up $5.9 million in the cap to to uh, to restructure, uh, as well as you can extend out Mitch Morse at $3.4 million, so that's some more money there, or also $4.7 million in restructuring Taron Johnson, and also you can save upwards between four and five to extend and do something with Micah Hyde to match up with Poyer. So, there's plenty of money there. If you did the math, uh, you know, like I did, you're looking at about 20 to 25 million in additional plus the 10 that they already have. You have plenty of money. You can free up in a multitude of different ways. And then, and then that's not even including at Oliver. So there's a ton of different ways to go money wise. They can definitely make any move they want. If they really want, say, just say they really wanted Hopkins, they can make that work fairly easily. Cook, just like you did with Houston, they stuck on the cooks. You would probably do the same thing to another losing team in Arizona they would stick some of that and probably try to maximize their pick back for Hopkins. So there's different ways you can go. The bills are in really good shape. It isn't kicking much down the can or kicking the can down the road too much in terms of what they have, uh, because those are all premier players. You can argue about Daquan Jones's age. Um, but mo for the most part, those are players that are pivotal to the team right now. So you don't really have to worry too much uh, about the situation there. So let's talk about defense for a minute, Mike. We, 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 we seem to always focus on offense here. The holes might exist on defense. I think for the most part, besides maybe a developmental guy, the DB room is pretty set. They just signed Dane Jackson as much as you, you know, talk about Dane Jackson, but I still think the corner room is fairly set with Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford. So you have two young talents there. And then you got Trey White and Dane Jackson and Taron Johnson and Saran Neal. 
you're pretty much done at the corner room. You can try to do something. I just think it would be a tough draft pick right there with those six. I don't know who you'd edge off the roster. Safety's the same way. You now you got two starting, probably going to play two more years, even if you pair them up, as well as, you know, by all accounts, Hamlin's playing as of this moment. Uh, they really like the, the safety they got from Kansas City. It's, there's still enough there to maybe take a late round guy like they did Hamlin or Jaquan Johnson. But when you have guys like, you know, they like Cam Lewis, he's a good special teamer, Zane Anderson from Kansas City, Jared Maiden's a guy that came in late that they signed for the playoffs. They do have some safety depth. Uh, it isn't the premier safety depth in the world, but it's decent um, behind their two entrenched starters. So with DBs, I don't expect much there, especially if Hamlin gets good news in the next month. I don't expect a lot of, of movement in the DB unit. You kind of transition now to linebacker, and that's that's the big the big gaping hole at middle linebacker. You got Dodson and Bernard behind them. Decent again. Uh, Matikavich is there, and you also have Specter. So and so another level of decent usable guys, but that gaping middle linebacker spot. Why don't you tell me about what you want to do with that one linebacker opening? Because the bottom of the roster is fine. You just have that one starter spot that's open. Are you draft at all accounts round one or two? Are you go out and get Bobby Wagner, uh, Cunningham? What where where do you stand on that? Well, the issue with Bobby Wagner is he's not really helping you out uh, in the pass game that much. So there are concerns if you bring in a Bobby Wagner. How is he really helping uh, your defense go to that next level? Yes, he's one of the best in the NFL at. Um, stopping the run and yes he's a thumper but he, he's more of a, a big name than what I would call a next level acquisition for the Bills he's one of those guys where you get excited because uh, you've heard his name in um, Los Angeles and Seattle but uh, there are questions about the benefits of signing a guy like Bobby Wagner if you talk to our buddies at the air raid they'll tell you that the the signs are pointing to the Bills drafting someone high uh not necessarily day one but definitely in the first two days and I, I i think that seems more and more likely by the day with each signing the bills make without attacking linebacker they either didn't love this class or they have someone else or a few other people in mind uh in late april because let's be real there's been a bunch of linebackers to be had during free agency that did not sign for ridiculous contracts, a bunch of guys available that they could have gone after and potentially signed for pretty fair deals. So that tells me that they didn't love the crop of free agents at the position and that they have something in mind. Uh, who would that might be? I mean, I know a lot of people talk about the, the linebacker from Iowa. Um, is he in play? Maybe. I don't want to pretend to know what the Bills are doing. Uh, linebacker, but I, I would definitely say the draft seems like a high probability at this point. Mike, my, my question to you to couple that though, do you want to go in right now? Let's say we do get David Edwards, you know, they're, they are upgrading everywhere else in the roster. Do you want to go into a situation like last year where Elam was like, not necessarily Elam, but corner, our first round corner was necessary. Kansas City traded up in front of us. The Bills kind of freaked out and traded up a fourth to move up one spot so someone else wouldn't trade up. Fairly hefty price to pay for your last corner on your board anyways. What's your opinion? Do you want to be pigeonholed come 20, pick 27 where your roster's in pretty good shape, but you're sitting with a gaping hole at with Tremaine Edmonds 
what are you think? Are you, do you want to be in that spot for me? I need to sign a veteran. How do you feel? I mean, I, I definitely feel more comfortable signing veteran. We talked about it with corner all of last year that we would have liked them to address it with signing a veteran and pair that with a high round uh, draft pick at corner. We were talking about Joe Hayden all last offseason, and that never came to fruition. So obviously, with Bean, if he has faith in the guy, he's willing to take that chance and um, go the draft route instead of bringing in an outside presence. I don't know if it makes a, a tremendous difference either way. I don't. At this point, we're all in the we're all in the dark about what the Bills are actually looking for in this draft. At the beginning of the offseason, everyone was talking about offensive linemen adding to our offense. Well, they brought in so many free agents to this point. We're really maybe you could go right tackle in the early rounds and solidify uh, the line and bring someone in to take over for Spencer Brown. But you and I both believe that they still have some hope for Spencer Brown going forward. Could they, that kind of then shifted to people that wanted skill position guys like wide receiver running back. Well, they've added two wide receivers to the the lower side of the depth chart. We've uh, address running back. So really there, there's only the one glaring hole, Kevin, and it, it is linebacker. Is there anyone in the first round that they would go after at 27? Uh, it's, I don't know, Kev, anything is on the table right now with this team. They could trade down uh, to acquire more picks and uh, go after multiple positions in the middle of the second, instead of waiting all the way to uh, the way end of the second round. They could trade up if they have one person in mind and really go after uh, a target. Um, I, I, w- I really wouldn't be surprised to see the Bills do anything at this point. What I would say is whatever their plan for linebacker is, I'd venture that they have more confidence that it's a plan that's going to work than what any of us as fans would think at the moment. We're all dealing with the uncertainty. They know or have a pretty good idea most likely who's going to be that person amongst probably a group of a few players overall. Yeah. And the $1.7 million contracts come in huge. I think that's the number. That's about why maybe they're why 1.7, maybe because that's where the compensation formula cutoff is. That's what's being talked about right now. If that's the number, none of these guys count as gains. So what, why one seven, what does that even mean? If you're under that, about one eight right now, roughly, that's the projection of when it counts for a, for your compensation formula, meaning you gained an asset or lost an asset. At the, they're setting it based on the money that was spent this offseason at around roughly two million dollars. So one seven is is far enough under that to where they're feeling comfortable that using that number, that's not a game. Even though Damian Harris is a game, uh, even though Sherfield's a game, those ones may not register on the Kyle Allen not a gain on the compensation. It wasn't a big enough asset to count against giving somebody a pick for that player. Now, if Singletary is over $2 million, he's got a deal up to 3.75 million. Say, say he's over two in his base salary that counts. And all of a sudden a third round pick frees up. So that's why the bills might be calling and saying, Hey, you want to play with a, a top team one seven? Um, and they're just making that call to your point. Like maybe he was the only one willing to take that. I don't know. I'm not sure if it was that, or they were giving him a running back one discussions. But it was one or the other, where his market wasn't that hot. Hey, come play for a winning team at 1-7. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate 
travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Or here's some running back one or combination. So realistically, that's what they're calling right now and saying to player like Sherfield, hey, come play in a high power offense. One seven will give you a bunch of time on teams. We'll give you a bunch of receiving time. Blah, 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 blah. The next thing you know, he's signing. It doesn't hurt the bills in the compensation formula. It is starting to be a trend. I need a third one. But if, if it happens, like with David Edwards, it is a trend. Uh, and, so, so yeah. And Kev, what also gets interesting here, you lose Tremaine Edmonds to the Chicago Bears, and obviously he gets his bag of cash. Huge deal. You spent five years of development on him. And right now it looks like the Bills are either going to replace him with close to a minimum contract free agent or a young rookie. Uh, I guess it could be Dodson or someone like that who gets some time as a, as a bridge. But why that's so interesting to me is that really, I don't, I mean, no disrespect to Tremaine Evans because I thought he's had a fantastic season last year, but it really kind of puts an idea of what the bills valued or at least value that position right now where they think you, they could either draft someone that's young and still have a top defense overall or put in someone that is not considered a high value free agent to the rest of the league and still get considerable production uh, from their defense. So I know a lot of people haven't looked at it from that point, but maybe when it comes to linebacker, the bills are saying we like the whole of our parts and we're not worried about one position that right now appears to be a liability dragging down the rest of the defense. Because as you said, Kevin, the defensive line, while it's not great, if Von Miller does return midway through the season and performs halfway decent, and then Greg Rousseau takes another step forward, you do have some guys on the D-line. You definitely want to get better, but you do have some guys. The back end with Micah Hyde and Poyer both being healthy is going to make a difference. Another year of Trey being able to get back on the field, hopefully progressing, returning to his normal self or somewhat close to that. It might just come down to they believe they can get by uh, with someone that isn't necessarily star. And as Ryan said, there's always a plan. We just don't know what it is yet. Wanted to bring up the compensation calculator because we talk about, I just want to put a visual on for everybody to see. This is, this is how it works. I want to make sure, you know, you're following along with us for this exact criteria. As you can see, Hardy does count. Connor McGovern count his gains. 
Tremaine Edmonds and Case Keenum actually count as losses. They cancel each other out right now. Kyle Allen is not going to qualify. We know now Damian Harris isn't going to qualify. We know Jaquan Johnson isn't going to qualify. We know don't know about Devin Singletary. If he qualifies, he bumps up into the lost column. You lose three, you gained two, and it frees up Tremaine Edmonds and his third-round pick. Uh, so it's really, 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 uh, really a uh, big deal right now to see what Singletary counts. And after all of this and the ads that the Bills have made, if you think that they're going to offer more than one seven, uh, you're wrong. I don't. They can't. They're going to lose a third-round pick for doing so. I do think this matters, especially if they know Singletary's final number. You still have Shaq Lawson that has potential to count. Jordan Phillips has a potential. Uh, those two really, that's about it for the remaining free agents uh, to count. But if they can get this Roger Saffold out there, I guess, I don't think he's going to get uh, more than $2 million, maybe. Uh, so realistically, this is it. If Singletary counts, the Bills have a free third-round pick next year. So they do have to utilize and think about that. Now, what doesn't any player cut doesn't count in any player that was a free agent last year in terms of that's still a free agent. The only person qualified there is OBJ. So OBJ wouldn't count. And anyone cut, like Bobby Wagner was cut, uh, that's not a loss for Seattle uh, or the Rams in this case. The Rams cut him. That wouldn't count for a loss for the Rams and Bobby Wagner. So those are the kind of positions you might be looking for. Uh, and Greg tweeted out a couple lists of who would still be available um, that was cut. But I do think that either you're offering one seven or you're targeting cut players. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone was able to see a visual on what it is we're talking about. And the, the person who makes this chart we see here from over the cap is a genius at this. Uh, he's always right. So it isn't like a guesstimate or we're hoping for it. Um, this is just how, what I'm thinking. So I wanted to make sure uh you know, we were able to bring this to you as well. So I do think there's proof they're considering it, Mike. If there wasn't, I wouldn't have just shown that. Uh, I do think that they are now with quantifiable data with the 1-7 deals are thinking about it. So that makes me, I've been thinking about it from the start. If you can gain a third round pick for Tremaine Edmonds, that's huge. That either lets you move up this year, that lets you do a few different things. Uh, maybe trading a pick next year. You could do a lot of different things knowing that you might have that third coming in uh, and potentially if you do see a signing of Phillips and, and Lawson of freeing up maybe even another pick. So that is an interesting note. Linebacker needs to be addressed. Veteran, I want a 1-7 deal or I want Bobby Wagner. I do want to go in the draft, not pigeonholed into having to take anybody in this draft. Let's talk about D-line for a second. That's a pretty interesting topic. You talked a little bit about Ed Oliver uh, and his $10 million deal. I do think that realistically they would move on from him or extend him. I do think the timing's right there. And they've already showed their hands a little bit with, with his take of show me the money. Um, I do believe that they talked extension. Um, I think that they like him. They don't want to have to replace a hole like they did just had to do with Tremaine Edmonds. I don't know that they want to lose right down the middle of their defense. Having to secure him would be a big deal. What is your opinion on the defensive line now, Mike? So, I think I agree. I think you agree too about the veteran linebacker. What are you thinking here at D line with Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, and uh, Settle, who restructured his deal a little bit? There's still a defensive tackle spot, and you have a defensive end spot, especially with however many games Vaughn's going to miss. So, what what are you thinking about the front four? So, defensive line is always uh, a very polarizing topic with with Bills fans. Uh, in recent years, it's a tough, it's a tough one. They definitely need to get better. And what I think 
more importantly than get better, they need to start playing better football when it matters the most. I don't think on paper that this defensive line is trash or horrible. People like to, to like to act like this D line is one of the, the worst D lines in football. And that's just, it's not the truth. Kev. And they have guys that can play. It's the, the issue is in big moments, they fold or they do not show up. We think back to when they were playing Kansas city in the playoffs and they just couldn't get any pressure on Mahomes and 13 seconds happens. And we freak out about that. We, we think about the Cincinnati game in the playoffs where they were getting manhandled. And prior to letting go of Addison and Jerry Hughes, all the talk was how the Bills do great in pressure rate. They, they get around the quarterback, but they can never take him down. And that's why we need to go after Von Miller because we need a guy that's clutch, that can make the big tackles, get the big sacks when it matters the most. And then what do we see Jerry Hughes do in Houston last year? He has a Jerry Hughes amazing season where that pressure rate turned into sacks and he was making an impact and the bills could have used the guy, an extra guy like that last year on their team, but they moved on. Pressure rate is important. Uh, it, it is very important because you don't always need to get to the quarterback to make an impact on a play. You can get a hand in his face. You can force him to, bounce out of the pocket. There's a lot of things that pressure rate has an impact on. And the Bills have some guys, but a lot of it is unknown. What is Von Miller going to be like when he returns this next season? Is he going to be a guy that can get to the quarterback still? Is he going to be I, – I, let's assume he misses half the year. Is he going to be a guy that come playoff time, we can rely on him? I don't know. Greg Rousseau, I think we're all expecting a step forward from him next year. He almost got double-digit sacks. The high ankle sprain kind of hurt his momentum at the end of the season. Greg Rousseau is he's good against the run. He can get to the quarterback, but he cleans up pockets. Von Miller going down hurt this Bills defense a lot from that perspective. Daquan, Daquan Jones. He was a beast last year in the interior line. What kind of sucks about this line is once Vaughn went down, it had a trickle-down effect to where it started impacting every other player, and it started pulling guys into spots that they shouldn't have been in. Shaq Lawson shouldn't have been called on to be a primary piece of this defensive line in playoff games. Daquan Jones goes out. He's out for the Cincinnati game. So now by the time you get to the Cincinnati game, you're missing Vaughn. You're missing Daquan Jones. Jordan Phillips has a torn labrum. You're being forced to give crucial snaps to Jack Lawson, A.J. Epineza, uh, Boogie Basham. Yes, that, that defensive line wasn't good. But when I look at the Bills' defensive line when it's healthy, they are decent. Well, I think they just need to continue attacking and addressing it, though. If they could get a guy in the first or second round, I wouldn't be against attacking that in the draft still and bringing in more talent. We don't know what the long-term future of A.J. Epineza is going to be in Buffalo, but I'm, I'd am i wager it's probably not going to be that many more seasons. So if you see a guy and you don't like what else is available at other positions of need, I am perfectly content with the Bills 
bringing in a defensive lineman with a high pick, or if they want to try to go after a Melvin Ingram or someone else uh, that's still available in free agency, I'm open to it. Um, right now, with the way you do rotations in the NFL, the way the Eagles attack opposing defenses, you really need to have a bunch, a plethora of good count on the D-line. You can't just get by with having one or two guys. Absolutely, but I think they have a few more than one or two guys. I I think – I understand. I'm saying yeah. they have some guys, but it, can, it doesn't hurt them to add another uh, – another few guys if they can. Right. Um, let's talk about that for a second. So some guys that wouldn't count against the compensation formula, in my opinion, that you can target. Uh, I know. So the, the, the point of, of the comp thing, why people don't like is, well, why would you not want to add good players? Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Because you can do it differently. A, trading for players doesn't count against it. B, there are players you can add over other players that are still adding to your roster and sometimes higher quality than just a player that's a free undraft or excuse me, an unrestricted free agent. A guy that's cut is this unrestricted free agent, but it doesn't count in that formula because they don't the, the team didn't lose them. They decided to cut their contract. So some players that cut obviously Bobby Wagner counts, Zach Cunningham's another linebacker uh, at this stage toward the top of the list. Uh, that wouldn't count against the formula. Frank Clark, Bud Dupree, Robert Quinn, Leonard Floyd, and Muhammad are all defensive ends that wouldn't count against the formula. That's the top of this list minus maybe Melvin Ingram. Everybody else would count in this formula or would not count in this formula. So you have to weigh, A, if you want Melvin Ingram, A, is he, you know, you might want to keep him under $2 million anyways, but B, um, is he better than that list of free agents? So you're not necessarily missing out on talent because you want to look at the compensation formula. That's not necessarily true. It doesn't mean you can't, a lot of things don't count. Look, look, Damien Harris doesn't count and he was an unrestricted free agent. So it isn't, you're missing out on talent. It's just, you need to consider how it works. Contracts under $2 million or players that were caught. It's very simple, but you're still adding a, a lot of quality talent to your roster by doing so. So that's kind of something to think about. It isn't necessarily like no one's asking, like, let's not, upgrade the roster that's by no stretch of the imagination what anyone says especially you know everyone knows i want every player that's quality so that's not necessarily true i just think now with a top 100 pick you can consider what to do at the edge position and a lot of those names are toward the top of the remaining edge names anyways uh so why not consider frank clark bud dupree robert quinn leonard floyd uh most of them are at the top of the list minus like i said melvin ingram and uh yannick and gakwe so I do think why not consider it interior defensive uh, line. Let's talk about for a second here. Uh, there's obviously I Adonis has talked about Shelby Harris, who was cut another name that wouldn't qualify. You have a Sean Robinson, uh, team Hicks, Puna Ford is much talked about Quentin Jefferson. You could bring him back. He was cut as well. Uh, so obviously you could bring back Jordan Phillips too. Uh, so those are some names that you could go after. They've been said to be interested in Puna Ford could be a big, rangy one tack a uh, one tack that could be added to this roster to add this huge depth and to take a little bit to your point might take a little bit off daquan jones uh puna ford is much talked about as someone that could come in and be that so i don't think they're done with the d-line i think there's two moves to be made there whether it's bringing back Shaq and jordan or not but there is a qual lot of quality choices that the bills can do here and one that i really do like is shelby harris i liked a lot of what he was able to do in denver and seattle bringing him in could be a, a nice addition. So 
I don't think we're done at the D line. I think that's a t- position of target. Say they do sign David Edwards. I do think the next position is what are they going to do with their front four? So uh, I think that's a pretty cool point. Uh, do you ultimately, do you want to go tackle in the defensive tackle in the draft? Do you want one of those names I just mentioned? What would you do right now today with your defensive tackle plan? I'm open to either. I, I am honestly fine with either. I know that's a, a basic vanilla answer, but we're at the point of free agency where you you don't have a ton of cap space. Yes, you can do restructures to open space for a big move if necessary. But if guys don't want to come to us on a value deal, well, then you're better off seeing if you can bring someone uh, in through the draft, in my opinion. Uh, if you have guys that are willing to come on the cheap, then that's fine. Welcome to Buffalo. Let's suit up and let's see what you can do. But I do not want to give decent money to to players to come to Buffalo at this point with the the current cap situation. You obviously Greg knows more about the maneuvering and everything, but uh, right now you're basically just trying to to finish the roster with with value signings and whatever you're not able to add, find that in the draft. Okay, and very interesting. Some draft names to look out for uh, if you want to go that route. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Carter. I don't know where he's going to go. Brian Brees from Clemson. Keanu Benton is much talked about at the end of the first, maybe into the second. Kalijah Kansi is a guy that's being compared to another Aaron Donald. That Oliver type, Mozzie Smith, has been shown working out as a workout warrior. Uh, Ika, Ika from Baylor played really well in front of, well, another Bills draft pick in Terrell Bernard. So could he be the pick? So there are a good amount of defensive tackles who could come in and be very valuable. We'll get into some of them in our draft shows in all of April. Uh, We'll talk about some of our favorite prospects and what we want to do. And on top of like lower end guys um, that they've maybe already looked at maybe later in the draft, like Roy from LSU uh, who they've already brought in for a visit. So I think that they're going to definitely think about defensive tackle. Do they want to target it? fourth round, fifth round, do they want to go with one of those higher end, maybe top 80 names that I said there, um, and then, or, you know, do their best to try to go in the middle, maybe third with, with, with their third round pick in Coburn or Wooden or Pickens from South Carolina. There's definitely some names in there that they could target in the third round. They're definitely going to get into some of that uh, in future shows, but Mike, all around we've, you know, we were here last week talking about the first, first week, first day moves. Now we're talking about some more names Warren in, Put together, what do you want to happen going into the draft? Do you want, obviously, we want good players, but what do you want to happen before the draft? Do you want, let's get a linebacker and let's go to the draft. Let's sign Edwards and a linebacker. Is OBJ a requirement for you? I guess, tell me, what's your plan for the next month before we, you know, put the draft aside? So I'll, I'll start with OBJ. He is not a requirement for me. I am not against the idea. I am open to him being a Buffalo Bill. If he's willing to come to Buffalo on a team-friendly deal, which that doesn't appear to be the case, I would welcome him gladly and then uh, go into the draft and then go after whatever our needs are at that point. Linebacker, obviously glaring hole at this point because we really just don't know how they're planning on attacking that situation or going forward with it. Uh, But at this point, uh, a lot has changed, Kev. I don't think they have to go heavy on the offensive line like we were saying a few months ago, I'm not against them uh, adding a tackle uh, in the draft. If they see someone that could be a future starter on this team, 
but I don't think they have to go that way. Uh, as far as wide receiver, Welcome to Tire Discounters. Oh, hiya, Phantom. Hi, Mike. Hey, do you like to save big bucks? I like big bucks. I cannot lie. And the other brothers can't deny? What? You know I don't have any siblings. Well, let's just say that right now you can save big bucks on major brand tires. I like big bucks. And you cannot lie. Why would I lie, Mike? Never mind. Stop by Tire Discounters and save up to 300 big bucks on select major brands, plus a free alignment with any four-tire purchase. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm okay with the way the room looks right now. I don't think it's a great wide receiver room outside of Stefan Diggs, but I think it's an adequate room that has some potential, uh, especially from some of the guys on the lower side of the depth chart. But what they've been able to do outside of outside of linebackers, put themselves in the position where they can take almost whoever they want at 27 that fits uh, the best player available. Obviously, if the best player available is a quarterback or a running back. They're probably not going in uh, that direction. But what I like right now is that they have not, they're not going to be singled into taking a person at a certain position just because they need a starter at that point. And I, and I, I include that even though they do need to address linebacker at some point. At pick 27, all offseason, I wanted a wide receiver or a lineman. Now, if the right guy falls to 27, they could go after one of those guys, but they don't need to. Uh, defensive line, I definitely think, is on the table when maybe it wouldn't have been something that people would have considered back in January. Linebacker on the table back when people probably wouldn't have ever thought that was a, a consideration in January. So when we were talking during the beginning of the offseason where – Every all Bills fans were kind of saying attack offense, 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 offense. Forget about the defense, except that the defense is going to have a fall off. I think a lot of that was predicated on the fact that we assumed that Jordan Poyer was gone, and we assumed that Tremaine Edmonds was gone. Well, you lost Edmonds, but you kept you kept Poyer. Now you have Micah Hyde coming back. If Von Miller gets healthy, comes back for the second half of the season, you return potentially an elite edge rusher, depending on what he looks like. Hopefully he's able to return 80, 90% of what he is uh, typically. You start looking at the defense in that scenario and potentially getting some progression from Greg Rousseau and hopefully Daquan Jones is able to hold up another uh, year on, as, on the inside. Ed Oliver playing for a contract, potentially, and I'm starting to think the defense could be okay. You can now maybe add one more person and you could really solidify that unit and be pretty solid next year. So Bean has done a good job attacking these holes this offseason. How is he going to take advantage of those first two days of the NFL draft and take this, what I consider a pretty good roster, and put the final touches on what could be a great roster? It'll be interesting, Kev, because – 
I don't think anybody really has a good idea. You you look at all the mock drafts right now. You see where everyone is guessing for the Bills, and no one has a clue. No one has a clue. Normally at this point, there's a one or two positions that people have had enough information about where they're like, yes, the Bills are looking at defensive end or they're looking at corner. I, I, I just – I don't get that feeling right now. I, I know some – a lot of Bills fans are hoping for Darnell Wright. Um, but who's to say it's going to be a tackle? Who's to say it's going to be a defensive lineman, a wide receiver? The, the, everything is almost on the table at this moment. That's very true. If you guys wouldn't mind, send us a like. That means so much to us. Hit us with the like button. Um, that would be super cool. It helps us create great content. I'm actually going to pick someone random from my likes list and anyone who's commented in the past uh, to send some more cool signed merch or signed cards, something, you know, we do that here on the Going Deep podcast to kind of interact back with you guys. Uh, so please like that. It really means a ton to us. Five stars on Apple podcast. Uh, that would mean the world. And thanks for everybody tuning in as my favorite. I mean, I think the Bills personally like Jack Campbell. I wouldn't be shocked as a natural fit and fill in uh, training with Luke Keekley, someone they had in as an intern coach uh, at points throughout his uh, throughout Dean and McDermott's career here as he transitioned away from football. I think that quite frankly, they'd get direct knowledge into the kid. Uh, he's definitely who they want. Do they want him at 27? I don't know. I've seen him more in the fifties and sixties, but that's just me. Um, that's just me picking based on where these guys are with, with, with re reviewers and uh, sources. I trust like the draft network and Chris Trapasso and others who rank these players for a daily, for a living. This is what they do to make their living. And they do have them in the fifties and sixties. That doesn't mean that's where Brandon Bean has him. But that uh, would but still be quite the, the pick. If people believe he's in the fifties and sixties, you mm -hmm. can't take him at 27. You could go the Bill Belichick route and take your your player three rounds earlier than everyone else has him mocked, but that'll get you a lot of negativity back. And you could say, screw the negativity. Who cares about what other people think? We got our guy. But the reason I don't believe the Bills will do that, or if he is what people are saying in the 50s and 60s, is we saw last year a case of the Bills knew James Cook wasn't a mid-high second-round talent. And they traded down twice before getting him at the end of the second round. If the Bills see somebody that's a 50 or 60 level player, they're not taking him at 27. They're going to try to trade down, go from 27. Maybe they try to go to 40. Maybe they play it safe where they still go 10, 15 spots before, but they pick up a fourth-round pick uh, in the process or something. I Whatever the – the trade charts say you need to get value and that's why they always say you don't fall in love with any single prospects when you're picking in the middle late part of the first round you find a group of three four five different guys and you put it down to those guys and if whoever's available among those group among that group of players you make your choice if you have a bunch of them left you trade down I, I we'll see what happens, but I, I don't see a reason to overreach on any particular player. Right. And just for an example, trading down to like 37 with Seattle, would get you 37 and 83. That's kind of the goal into making a trade. You definitely want to get back another top 90 pick. 
you don't want to trade where you're not like the fourth scenario. Sure. If you're really in trouble or you really need to do it, I do think you need to score another day two pick um, to, to, uh, to secure yourself. I don't believe you'd want to trade your fifth year option, which is a valuable negotiating tool. One you're on right now with that Oliver, you got an extra year of Tremaine Edmonds. You got to factor that into Josh Allen's deal. It's utilized in Trey white. It is a useful tool that you're trading away. I don't know that it's worth it to trade away at a four. I need a three. Uh, I need to jump that those compensation picks. Uh, I need to have a three in the top 90 to consider moving down. That's my, that's my period. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. But to your point, Mike, I believe they consider the trade value chart. I do believe they consider where someone's worth or they wouldn't have traded back twice and leave James Cook vulnerable by just trading for six round picks. They definitely had a board and definitely felt like he was mid third, somewhere with upper thirds at, at, at the best because otherwise you don't maybe once you don't risk twice going back and feeling pretty comfortable um if you're just putting him up for risk for a couple of six round picks i don't believe that that ideally was the scenario i do think that they maybe had him more in the third round range uh and said we're not going to risk him too much by going back and grabbing a few sixths that's the same idea if every linebacker is on the board and you do decide to do that and they say he goes while you still have Trent Simpson, you do still have other options of players that you can go, especially if the entire gamut of linebackers are available. And we'll get into some more draft scenarios and compensation picks uh, and trading with Seattle or whomever else. We'll do live mocks we, on the show all of April. We'll have producer AJ on, kind of talk about his favorites in the coming weeks. Um, so thanks again for AJ's work. Uh, so you can follow AJ as well, uh, our show producer, as he brings us knowledge throughout the show. So special shout out to him. But, Mike, it's getting wild out there. A great 65 minutes talking about these players. Want to talk about one final topic before we let everybody go. And this is one that I have on my mind right now. What do you think happens this season when Sean McDermott gets the defense that he wants? He's calling it aggressively. He's looking at the play sheet by all, by all consideration. He's getting the middle linebacker most likely that he's choosing. I don't think we're done yet at DN, D-tackle. I really don't, whether it's draft or they go ahead with a Puna Ford, Yannick and Gakwe, whoever it might be. I do think there's some upgrades coming there. You're getting another year healthy with your safeties. Hopefully your corners are back and ready. Benford showed a lot. And it's Sean McDermott at the helm. Do you think this defense that took a lot of criticism for being top three in a lot of categories, it's going to get a little more aggressive. I think that that's proven. However, what is your opinion on if it fails the same way in divisional round that you've seen in the past two seasons and third season ago in the championship game? I mean, if it fails, then the pressure's on Sean McDermott. That's why it's a risky uh, thing to assume play calling for a head coach because who can you blame but the coach in that scenario? So, I'm not against it. I'm okay with Sean McDermott calling defensive plays if that's what he wants. But you, he will shoulder the brunt of criticism if it doesn't work out, especially after being able to bring back Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back to the lineup. Um, your secondary is basically saying staying the same. Your defensive line is going to be probably pretty similar to what it was last year, minus uh, a few players. So – it's going to need to work out, and we'll see, Kev. We talk about how we assume he'll be more aggressive and take more risks, take more risks. But is that is that his nature still? I know that's what he was as a defensive coordinator.
when he was at Carolina and at Philadelphia. But are we just going to assume that the last six years he's been a head coach um, in Buffalo, that he hasn't had a ton of influence over what Leslie Frazier was doing in games on a week-by-week basis? I think the Bills are very heavily analytical. And judging based on what they do on defense on a week-by-week basis, how they have attacked free agency in the past however many years, they base stuff based on odds, percentages. So, yes, sometimes something won't work, but they stick with it because they believe over a period of time it's going to have a higher rate of success than the alternatives. And I point back to why they've been such a – why there's been such a focus on being a nickel defense for the the past couple years. Because you think about it, why would you consistently stay in a nickel defense? It's because you are admitting that this is a pass-happy league, that teams are more likely to beat you in the air, and that you're taking that bet on a week-by-week basis that even if you allow five yards to carry, that a team won't be able to consistently sustain drives throughout the course of a 60-minute game. So all of that basically to say, do we really think that McDermott's going to magically shift what he does defensively? I, I, I don't know. The, the only thing that would lead me to think that there could be adjustments coming is that they brought in Al Holcomb and that his mindset as D coordinator last year was very different than what Sean McDermott has done the past few seasons. But outside of Al Holcomb, there's been no other moves to this defense from a coaching staff perspective or re- or even really free agency or anything like that that would indicate that they're suddenly going to change up what they're doing. In fact, bringing back Jordan Poyer and keeping most of the defense the same would indicate that you're probably going to try to keep things pretty similar uh, with minor tweaks. Now, maybe they, maybe they blitz a little bit more in unique situations. Maybe they, they throw a few different wrinkles into uh, how they attack teams. But I'm not expecting anything vastly different. And to finalize what I'm saying, if that's the case, McDermott better be ready to face the cries of fans when things don't necess- necessarily work out well. But I'll take the bet that um, it will still lead to good results overall. And an interesting note, Brandon Bean himself is at Ohio State's Pro Day. So lots of players there. Who's he scouting? Taking a look at C.J. Stroud, uh, Paris Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. A uh, name, you know, I know Mike likes and a name that's much talked about. Duan Jones um, is there as well. Um, Zach Harrison, the defensive end. Who could he be possibly looking at? Uh, Luke Wepler, the interior offensive lineman. Cameron Brown, the corner. So there's six or seven top hundred picks that Brandon Bean himself is getting a look at. It's a good tell. Usually he doesn't just decide to waste his time on these visits. So who is he interested in there? Is he interested in one of those tackles? Paris Johnson probably won't be there. Obviously he's not Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigbo won't be there most likely by a trade up candidate. Maybe, uh, maybe he will fall a little bit. So there's, there's that potential. Who could what Luke Wepler will he really go that route with really securing interior offensive linemen already? I don't know, but it is an interesting note that he is present physically at the Ohio State Pro Day on his own. So 
there's a lot to get done. The main things I want the Bills to focus on right now, Puna Ford, let's get it done. Let's get a defensive tackle in here. Consider the compensation formula. Look at Zach Cunningham. Look at Bobby Wagner. Can one of those come in and take some of the burden off of what you need to do at linebacker position? Also in the defensive end, could you go to Jed Evian Clowney? Could you look at Frank Clark or Justin Houston? Some definitely some defensive ends you could look at. And obviously David Edwards, one of the best interior offensive linemen, left him and Dalton Risner. Um, I do think that adding him could be a nice bonus uh, with already signing the Govern and Quesenberry to bring you to where you need to go. Will they go veteran tight end? Doesn't look likely at this point. Or will they consider a mid-round guy? I do think they want another tight end in the system. I just don't really see it in the top 90. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out. And finally, where will OBJ land? Mike, we've been talking about it really since November at this point. I think we're going to get our solution maybe by our next show. Um, I do think it's possible that now that things are winding down, and like we said, it's him or Hopkins, that you could go ahead and finally find a home for OBJ. I do think the Bills have as appealing as an offer as anybody, even if they are in those single digits that we'd like to have him at. Puna Ford looks great. Maybe is that Cunningham to come in here and be a veteran looking at a defensive end, David Edwards. There's definitely some really skilled tier two guys that could come in and put you in a position to go into the draft to realistically take anybody that you want in the draft. Um, if you make some of those moves, which could be very interesting. Maybe they'll, they will gear back toward defensive line. If every other needs filled, maybe they will always default on the D line. Like we've seen them do so. Really appreciate everybody tuning in from the Going Deep podcast, sponsored by Sons of Erie. Please smash the like button. Um, we got Ant coming up at 9 o'clock for a show, so make sure you tune in and stick around for that. What a great week two of free agency. Looking forward to week three. We'll break everything else down. Hopefully have a conclusion to OBJ finally after four months and maybe start to, 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 to peek into some of our draft boards and some of the stuff I have working on the draft front. AJ's been in front of some of these prospects. He's actually had the opportunity to interview many of them. So we'll get his opinions as we get closer and some of these boards start to fill out. Going to have a mock draft game coming at you uh, in April. would love everybody to participate. I want you to send in your full 32-round mock, send out some prizes and rewards for whoever's the most accurate in that as well. That's always a fun time of year uh, to get into that. Really appreciate everyone tuning in. Smash that like button. Five stars on Apple Podcast. But from the Going Deep podcast, I'm Kevin Mike, producer AJ. We'll be right back with you this time, 7 o'clock Eastern, from the Going Deep show. Kevin, Mike, we'll talk to you guys later. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the build, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.